Hello and welcome back to Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Babylon 5 Season 2 episode, Confessions and Lamentations. So this episode is just really, really good. Um, it's not super connected to anything. It's a really nice standalone story uh, that affects the overall feeling of Babylon 5. Uh, takes the characters uh, on an interesting journey and it's just emotionally impactful. It's um, it's seemingly inconsequential. Uh, like, there's big things that happen in it, but there's not a whole lot that happens that affects the uh, ongoing story of the Shadows or anything, uh, with the exception of the minor catch-up with Kefir. Instead, it's just all about the Markab, which we've been hearing about the Markab for a while. They've appeared on screen several times. And, of course, last episode, Franklin mentioned he had a Markab doctor friend who appears in this episode. Uh, and we knew that they were religious, but now we get to see their, um, uh, the amount of weight they put on their religion. Um and how that affects their overall culture, and how that affects the Drotha Plague, and all that. Now, real quick, I want to talk about the minor, minor Kefir subplot, uh, and then, uh, and then I'll talk about everything else. So, Orrin Kefir, you may have forgotten him, he's kind of the most forgettable, uh, character of all time in the show, uh, and he, he's just a boring blank piece of wood, he's a cardboard cutout, and I've mentioned, I think before, I'll mention again just in case, that, um, he was not wanted by, uh, JMS at all, uh, he was kind of requested by the studio, uh, so forced in there, and, and, we can, you can kind of tell what the way his uh, his plots kind of don't seem to be connected to anything else. We know he's investigating uh, hyperspace because of the uh, the the uh, shadow ship that he saw. He doesn't know exactly what it is. Uh, in a few episodes ago, and now Sheridan, obviously knowing about the shadows and not wanting to tip them off, uh, puts an end to this. And that, that that's it. It's just there as a deal of, hey, uh, this guy is doing this thing. It's going to become important in a couple episodes because we're gearing up towards the season finale because that's only a handful of episodes from now. Um, he, once again, Warren Keffer's story is so short and so meaningless to everything. He he serves no purpose, and you can tell he serves no purpose. JMS did not want him there, and it's very rare that anybody uh, does anything with the character that is interesting. I think the most interesting he was in was um, the Gropos episode. I think that's arguably his most interesting episode, and even then, he gets very little screen time in that. He, he's mainly there to talk about the differences between the Army and the Air Force. Uh, in this uh, setting and in real life. Here, once again, he, he's just there to further that small plot thread that will become important in a few episodes from now. Um, he, 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 once again, he's, he's just a forced character, and you, you can kind of feel that in the writing, how nobody really cares about him. And speaking of the the, the entire uh, getting a handle on him and writers is that this is the beginning of the JMS only show. This is uh, 
at the last episode, Knives, was the last episode to be written by anyone other than JMS himself until season five. J. Michael Straczynski will write every single episode, all 22 episodes, every season for seasons three and four. Season five, he writes 21 of 22. The final, the the, the 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 final episode not written by him is an episode early in season five called "Day of the Dead," written by the famous comic book writer and novelist Neil Gaiman. But we will that will be a ways down the road. But we will get to that eventually. It'll be fun to talk about. But it is important to note that this is this is the beginning of JMS taking hold of the reins and not letting go because, as he as he put it, you know, uh, is that he. He there was no writer's room on Babylon Five. Uh, he had the plot all figured out, and he would just hand people assignments. And as the plot got thicker and thicker and thicker, and it got to the point that we were getting towards the 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 the, the rising action of the of the story, because each uh, each season represents an act in a traditional five act structure. Uh, you. Uh, everything became so complex and so interconnected that he just figured it was easier to take it upon himself to do everything rather than hand out assignments because it was difficult to go, okay, you need to write this segment of this story and this segment from this story because this kind of thing wasn't done in television, uh, especially American television. There were certain uh, other uh, other places that had experimented with serialized storytelling into this extent, but it, 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 was, ne it was never done uh it was never done to this degree and uh writers rooms were not really a thing in television not yet uh anyway not 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 in the way we think of t uh, of writers rooms nowadays where you you break you break a season and you figure out what what each writer is writing and each uh and and usually the showrunner will rewrite scenes and stuff to compensate for the serialization and it's tv production is complicated within its own right uh and back then when serialized television was like a new thing and being experimented on uh by jms himself he found it uh, he found it just easier to do it all himself, which is perfectly understandable. Now, uh, the Delin and Sheridan stuff, uh, I like how they're getting closer and closer together. Um, you know, it, it's not really hidden anymore that they kind of are veering towards uh, love interests, and I personally love them together. Uh, I'm a big Delin and Sheridan shipper. And uh, I, I love the little scenes that we have between them to show the, the strength as a couple, strength as characters. Um, Sheridan uh, is more of a... Um, he, 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 he follows protocol, yes, but he's more of a off-the-cuff kind of person, especially when he's not on duty. And then to see that contrasted by Delin, who's a Mimbari and has firm faith in in the way the Mimbari do things, that uh, the rituals that they have to go through, you know, not eating for two days to make this meal and uh, to make the flour and then, uh, and then you have to meditate and you have to pass the balls as a sign of friendship and stuff. It all, it, it's first, it's a great, great writer tactic to add a lot of comedy and levity um 
to to this episode because this is just before they find out about the big massive plague and all that stuff that's going on so it it provides a nice laugh it, it gets us thinking that this episode is going to be a different kind of episode and then slaps us in the face with the plague and that really gets the episode going it, it kind of uh rivets you in your seat so you uh you're not expecting uh something so uh drastic and so uh dark as the plague stuff but it also shows the differences and but also similarities between Delin and sheridan uh and uh the, it reinforces membari culture uh about their their con their 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 constant need to have rituals for everything they're they're very stagnant set in their ways kind of people and they don't change which fits in with the theme of everything that's going on with the plague as everything has a connotation in uh uh in just the eating of the florin uh, everything has a connotation, a social faux pas with eating the florin, much like the plague has a social faux pas and connotation connected to it due to religious circumstances that I'll get to in a minute. Um, the next scene with them, which uh, is Delin going to uh, Sheridan and begging him to let her into the quarantine zone. Um, the, the, the isolation zone that the Mark have put themselves into is, uh, is a really, really sweet scene. Um, cause Sheridan is not wanting to let her go because he's afraid that the, she'll get the, uh, the plague and she'll die and he can't have that because a, she's an ambassador for another, uh, another species. It is his job to protect her as the captain of the station. B, uh, he has personal feelings towards her. And so he's being a bit selfish. And uh, he's trying to come up with all these reasons. And he's like, they're not your people, Delenn. And she has one of the best lines in the entire episode. And uh, that is, I didn't know similarity was required for the exercise of compassion love that line because that is Delenn in a nutshell she is a firm believer in her faith and uh, optimism and hope she is a beacon of hope uh, and s some people take that as naivete but it is not it is pure unadulterated kindness compassion the willingness to do what is right and what is just and she even has a line later about faith manages uh doing that scene with uh the markhap child uh, and you know believe that the good the you know believe in the goodness of others and believe in uh, uh the good outcome uh because faith manages if you believe something will happen maybe it may it just may happen uh, and she talks about how she was lost in the temple uh, and she she wanted to believe that her parents would find her, and they eventually did. And uh, and how believing her parents would find her prevented her from being scared. And it it's a very powerful scene, both of the the Delenn and Child and Delenn and Sheridan scenes, uh, and reinforces a lot of the themes and ideas going through this episode uh, in regards to the plague. But it just shows how. Um, 
strong Dylan is as a character and her beliefs and just how insanely compassionate and kind and hopeful she is. Um, she, there's a reason she's one of my favorites. Um, she's just such a great character. Uh, reminds me a lot of, um, of uh, Superman in the way that people are... Uh, don't understand him because of his compassion and his kindness and i love superman for a lot of the same reasons you know there's there's just this inherent uh want to believe in the goodness of others the goodness in the world and not focus on the bad the cynical side of things uh and that's what delin does and that's what she represents and i love that um now, moving on to the plague, the plague stuff, all really well handled. A lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff has been done before and can be seen as quite cliched, but, it, but Babylon 5 manages to handle it in a way that it, it, it seems fresh um, and, and does a lot of commentary. So, the, for instance, the uh, scene I was just talking about with Delenn and the child uh, you would you would think oh this is a uh, cliched moment uh, where where happiness is is brought to the child and she's reunited with her mother, and then we see the child coughing and Delenn's face drops because she knows the child is going to die. There's nothing they can do to save her. It it was a bittersweet moment. Yeah, she was reunited with her mother, but now her mother's going to have to watch as her daughter dies. Uh, this isn't. A hopeful moment it's a moment of faith manages believe in the good outcome even if the out with the good outcome doesn't come true hope that's what it's about and it also is in that regards of overcoming fear fear makes us do rash and stupid things and oftentimes we try and find scapegoats for that fear um, and the plague itself has this social stigma about it uh, that is analogous to uh, our Black Plague, our Black Death, the bubonic plague. The what what happened was that you know uh, people thought it was a uh, a sign of sin that it was it spread on this island. Uh, where, where supposedly they, they did debaucherous stuff, but who knows how exactly debaucherous it was. It, it was just something seen as socially wrong to most of the Markab at the time, and it wiped them out. So therefore, it became a stigma of, oh, you have, uh, you know, the evil spirits of Drafar after you if you're, if you're sinful in their religion or in their society. It became a thing to... Um, uh, to call people uh, out on uh, be, being too much like uh, the, the Drafa, uh, you know, the evil spirits of Drafa, and it, it lost its power as a plague uh, and became instead a social stigma, a the connotation that, that you are sinful, that you are wrong, and you can easily justify that, much like you know, the cats were blamed for the spreading of the Black Plague, when in actual fact it was it had nothing to do with that. It was the fleas. And it, it and, and the Markab signed their own death warrant by isolating themselves and trying to go into religious contemplation, much like 
we murdered cats by the hundreds simply because we uh, we thought they were responsible. And, the, and not only just cats, but uh, many people blamed witches or blamed Jews or blamed any number of various different uh, segments of the population that wasn't like them. Uh, it's called passing the buck, refusing to accept responsibility for one's own actions. Um, in this case, refusing to accept responsibility that is something other than the than than what you think it is. Like it, it they they they, uh, they are quick to uh, to pass blame because they don't understand fear, and fear of the unknown in particular causes people to act in a way that means that they will put up a scapegoat. They want to find a reason, and they want to find a reason now. Uh, they don't want to wait for uh, the true acts. They don't want to wait. They, they, they need it now. They, they, need, they need a solution now. Uh, it, it's all about the here and now, and that causes issues. And I, I, I love that the... The many variables and problems that come from the outbreak are touched upon from the riots to the racial violence that sparks up against the Markab to the Markab's own uh, uh, segregation of themselves to the, the possibility that it's airborne and that it is in that it's a jumping species. And we see that Franklin is uh, is. Uh, driving himself mad and using stems to deal with the stress and the workload because he can't sleep. He has to get this done. He has to solve it. And in his rush to do this, he does find a possible cure. It's a cure that is untested, but it is a possible cure. And at the end, it didn't matter anyway. They all died. The scene where they open the doors and Delin and Lanier are standing in a room full of corpses is a real tearjerker. It is a powerful image, and Delin breaks. She just sobs and sobs and sobs, and you're right there with her. Because Babylon 5 is a show about consequences and the consequences that come from one's own actions. If they had dealt with this problem, if the Mardcab had not decided that it was a scapegoat, that it was the sinful people that had caused this plague to begin with, if they had actually sat down and solved the problem, they wouldn't be dead now. But now they have made their own graves, and it is not only sad that this amount of people died, especially innocent men, women, and children that we know died, uh, that had nothing to do with the sinful nature of the stigma or even knew about it. They, uh, they died because they refused to deal with the problem. They were part of the plague themselves, in a matter of speaking. They caused it to get this bad. They willingly let it get this bad. And it is sad and it is horrible. It is, it is gut-wrenching. And in a normal television show, a show that isn't Babylon 5, a show that isn't willing to show just how far uh, a, a society will go to hide the truth. In real life, we have seen it happen, and Babylon 5 is more than willing to, to be analogous to our real life. It would have had Franklin discover the cure, and then we would have been fine. The Markab would have been saved. But Babylon 5 is not an ordinary show. 
and the Markab died. Because he wasn't fast enough, because they more than willingly uh, wrote their own death sentence by isolation, because they wrote the social stigma in regards to the plague, because they didn't solve the issue. Because they didn't buckle down and figure it out. They were more than willing to pass the buck. It, it's a horrifying truth. And it is a very, very sad episode as a result. And I, I love that Babylon 5 not only is willing to go there and is willing to not pull its punches, it is more than willing to smack you in the face and say, pay attention, damn you. But it also doesn't suffer from the two-minute wrap-up that plagues many shows of this time period, where there's a magical thing that happens that solves the entire plot and saves every character. It's, it's damn good. Uh, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the Markab are gone. The entire race was wiped out as a result. And while that doesn't really mean much to the ongoing narrative of the Shadows, what it means is that an entire race was wiped off the face of this galaxy, the Babylon 5 universe, and that will be felt throughout the next few seasons. The Markab place in the, in the League of Non-Aligned Worlds will be empty. We will uh, hear about the Markab Plague and the Markab homeworld in, in the future. And what happened as a result of this plague? This is not forgotten. Once again, Babylon 5 is a show with consequences and is about the consequences caused by our own flaws. What a good episode. I'll see you next week. Bye.